Welcome to the Mentium Matters podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. I'm Solveig Brown, and today I am joined again by Craig Warren. In this episode, Craig and I are going to talk about professional development and networking. By the end of this episode, listeners will have a new way to think about professional development, and they will also learn some of Craig's best practices for networking. Before we begin our conversation, I would like to share some background information on Craig. Craig Warren was named Washburn Center for Children's CEO in 2022 and previously served as Washburn's Chief Administrative Officer. Craig is the first BIPOC CEO in the organization's 140-year history. Washburn Center for Children is Minnesota's leading mental health center, delivering transformative mental health services to children and their families at three clinics, in over 40 schools, in children's homes, and wherever they are needed. Craig is a social impact catalyst with over 25 years of strategic planning, service delivery, EDI, and consulting experience in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. He is motivated by a desire to create more equitable community outcomes around education, income, employment, and health. Prior to joining Washburn Center, Craig served as Vice President of Enterprise Solutions at Minnesota's Children's Museum. His professional experience also includes leadership roles at Greater Twin Cities United Way, Best Buy, Rockwell Automation, the Coca-Cola Company, Towers Parent, and the United States Army. Craig earned his master's degree from the Harris School of Public Policy at the University of Chicago and his bachelor's from the Johns Hopkins University. He is a qualified administrator of the Intercultural Development Inventory, and Craig has been a mentor for Mentium since 2019. Welcome, Craig. I am so glad to have you as a guest today. Oh, it's great to be here, Solvay. Craig, let's just jump right into our topic of professional development. How do you think about professional development? I really think about professional development as an ongoing kind of process and an ongoing journey. And I really think about it as more than just advancing in a career. I really think about professional development about how do I continue to learn and grow professionally? And that may equate to me being in different roles or in different organizations or doing different types of work, or it may be within the same role, how do I do that? So I really have a very expansive definition that it certainly supports what I would characterize as career advancement, but I don't equate the two. I can be in a role um, and have significant professional development opportunities that have nothing to do with me moving outside of that role. And there may be times where it does. Oh, I really like that. That is kind of overarching your whole career. And it's mm -hmm. that kind of always learning mentality and it kind of ebbs and flows and changes. In our pre-podcast meeting, you talked about the term grow your professional garden. Mm -hmm. Can you expand on that? Because I really liked the analogy of your professional development to a garden. I really, I'm building on what I said before on how I think about professional development. I frame that metaphorically around building and cultivating my professional garden. And when I want to cultivate my professional garden, I don't know what's going to happen in the course of my professional life. And what I want to have is a garden so that if I choose to make something happen or external circumstances 
forced me to make something happen, that I've cultivated a professional garden that gives me a range of resources and networks and support to help me navigate through whatever I may be going through um, professionally. But it takes intentional effort to cultivate your professional garden, because if you have the instance of something where you're laid off from a job and you haven't cultivated a professional garden in terms of continually growing or staying connected to a network or, or building a personal board of directors, your garden is sort of that soil is not going to have anything growing in it. Whereas if you've done some of those things and cultivated it, when something like a layoff or something like that happens, you've got a support network of people who know you professionally who can provide emotional support to you. You've got a network of people who can provide professional support in terms of, well, what should you consider next? Let me help you in terms of pursuing what you should consider um, next. So that 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 cultivation really is there for when you, you know, for whatever the circumstances that come up, you want to be really cultivating um, that garden so that you basically have options and support for, to, to help you navigate whatever happens in your professional life. Yeah, I love that metaphor. And it really kind of goes back to the idea that people need to take charge of their own professional development, take charge of their own career as kind of a long term, you know, game. What are some ways that people can take charge of their own career development and professional development? I think one thing that I think about that I certainly think a lot about now, but I wish I had learned earlier because it probably was about 20 years into my professional life that I learned about this or this framing was when you think about your professional development and your career, think about the what you want out of life. Because for a period of time in my life, if there were, if, if life, if things were a cup, I was putting my life into a professional cup and I was trying to fit everything that I wanted to do in my life into this professional cup and it didn't quite fit because the cup wasn't the right size for that. And I encourage people now, I think about professional, I think about, okay, what do I want to get out of my life? What is my purpose in life? What are my values? And then what aspects of that are manifested or, or brought into being through work and through my professional life? And then I have broader context for where, what I want to get out of life and whatever that may be and what aspects of that are fulfilled by work. And I'm not trying to put it all on work or into other buckets. I'm kind of aligning that. And then once I have that, it's much easier for me to be clear around, well, from a development and growth perspective or career perspective, well, what does that mean for me? Because it's in this broader framing of I'm clear about, oh, I'm not going to have these struggles and tensions around the type of jobs or what I'm going to do or the other things I want to do or other places I want to show up in my broader life because I've already figured out this is what that is. And this is what work is going to play in that. And these are the other buckets of things I'm going to do with that. So I think that's a little bit philosophical and higher level. Um, but after having worked for a, a significant period of time, that I really think that I wish I'd someone had suggested that framing and thinking about that earlier, because I can look back now and see a variety of things in life where like, this isn't working and it wasn't working because it was I was trying to put things in the wrong space and they weren't all going to fit together. And what it needed to be was taking a broader perspective like, oh, that's not going to fit there. And if I want to do that, this is what my work needs to be for that. So I think that's that's one sort of philosophical framing thing I think that people can think about. And then a bit more, I guess if that's at 100,000 or 50,000 feet or on the edges of the atmosphere, coming a little bit further down, I guess once you, once you have that, really think about two jobs ahead, like within the context of that broader thing and then translate that into and think strategically. Don't just think about, well, this is right now and this is the end of it. Think about 
okay, this is that broader thing for what I want to get out of life. This is where work fits into that. This is where sort of I'm heading directionally. And then think about two jobs ahead or maybe more than that. But I always think it's useful to think at least two jobs ahead of, okay, what is the job I'm in now? And what can I learn and grow and take from that? Where is that positioning for me to go? And then where is that next job? But then maybe where does that next job position me? It's not just about getting to that next job. It's thinking about, okay, that next job may branch off into these five different things. And if I'm not thinking about it with this multi sort of generational or job rational viewpoint, I may miss the fact that this job may be horrible and it may be challenging, but I'm going to get some things out of that that are going to open up a broader range of opportunities in my, in my professional garden that if I wasn't thinking about that, I may miss out on that with that. So really thinking at least two jobs ahead, I think is another aspect of that. Yeah, I really appreciate the expanded way you think about that and the strategic way that you think of that. I like the the combination of the big picture, knowing your values and your purpose from the get-go and combining like professional development with your personal development that is not all just about your job. But then also I really like that perspective of thinking two jobs ahead and like really it puts you in the driver's seat of where you want to go mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of falling into jobs and getting, you know, moved moved up because you're really good at something, but it gives you more agency. So I love that strategic piece of, you know, the both the big picture and then the, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to get there? And another thing I just add to that, Sylvain, would be, mm-hmm. I have this rule of thumb about 10% of my time should be geared towards some type of professional development. And that's wow. not, there's nothing particularly magical about the number, but it just says, hey, if it's a 40 hour week in any given week, at least four hours of that week, should be geared towards something related to professional development, be it connecting with a person a person on my personal board of directors, serving on a board, serving in a professional association or attending that, making a presentation, just doing self-care, but being intentional around building that muscle throughout the career of, I own my professional development and I need to be intentional around having a discipline around that to create space in my professional life for me to figure out to do the work of my development, but also to reflect on what additional development is needed and to reflect on some of those strategic considerations that change over the course of life that you, unless you're intentionally thinking about it, you may like, well, things have shifted and it was this, and now it's a year or two later and maybe it's something else. But if you're not carving out space for that, it's very easy to let the work just consume you. And I feel like as a leader, that's not good for your development as a leader. Well, I don't think you're going to advance if you just do that. You've always got to be intentional around carving out space for your growth and development and what that means for you in time for that. And I think that that 10% rule is just like, it may be more than that in a given time and it may be less than that, but just kind of having, oof, it's it's none of that is kind of a flag. Yeah, Craig, that is such a great reminder because I think people are so busy right now. And I feel like professional development is the thing that's kind of easy to fall off because it's not urgent. It's not, you know, it's, there's not a due date for it. There's not people counting on you to do it. So I really like that kind of four hours a week or kind of just kind of be thinking about what have I done this month for professional development? You just mentioned in that last statement, you talked about your personal board of directors. Can you talk more about that concept of, you know, what is what is your personal board of directors and, and how did you come up with the idea and how did you create it? Yep. So the, it's it's not my idea. I actually, it's one of those things that I guess is the, the, the ripple because someone who actually was 
he was an account executive for one of the outsourcing relationships that I managed earlier in my career. And we became close and we was talking about, you know, you to meet people and you talk about leadership and things like that. And he referenced this, that what well, actually came up because the woman who he'd learned it from had passed away. And we were talking and he mentioned, oh, so-and-so passed away. And one of the things I took away from her was this thing. And we started talking about this concept of the personal board of directors. So it's a great concept, but I take no credit for creating it. It was someone, someone who passed it on to someone else who passed it on to me. And for me, one practical way you cultivate your professional garden is by building your personal board of directors. And for me, the personal board of directors is something that has multiple levels. So at the kind of base level, I want everyone who meets me to be a cheerleader for Craig. I don't care whether they're the neighbor, the cashier at the grocery store, someone I walk by on the street. You base, I just want basically want everyone that's like, who interacts with me to be like, hey, that Craig, he's a good person, great energy, seems like a, you know, a good person. So that's kind of, you want everyone you meet to sort of be a cheerleader for you that's out there like just saying good things about you. The next level up in the personal board of directors is someone who's an advocate. So an advocate is someone who's a cheerleader, but it has some professional weight. Like if your neighbor knows you and they have no professional context and they don't work in the same space as you or don't work at all, that may or may not have any bearing in a professional context, but an advocate is someone who's a cheerleader for you, but it has a little bit more weight because they have some professional context or experience that in a professional context, they're being a cheerleader for you sort of has a magnified impact. And if you're in school or something, it could be a professor. In an academic context, it could be a professor if you're a student. The next level above that is, is a mentor. And you may have multiple mentors because you may be at different stages of life and different stages of your professional life. You may need different things where you need someone to kind of counsel you. And a mentor really is someone who obviously is a cheerleader and an advocate for you, but also they have a specific set of knowledge or expertise or experience that you don't have at this point in your journey and that you really want someone who's further along or has more of whatever that experience is or further along in their career to you. So they're giving you the benefit of their deeper lived experience or professional experience or knowledge or expertise. So they're further along and whatever that is. And that's why you may have multiple mentors and your mentors may change, in the course of a year even, or certainly in the course of a life, because you go through different seasons and you grow and develop and you need different things. And then that final step, and you work through each of these steps, because you're kind of interviewing people at each stage to see, are they going to go to the next stage? Are they going to be on the personal board of directors? So at the top is your board of directors. And those are people typically who've been in one of those other roles of a cheerleader, an advocate, or a mentor. But your personal board of directors is usually a pretty small, tight group of people. And those are the people who you're earlier in your career and you say, hey, I know I just graduated, but I want to be a CEO one day. And that's the person who's like, you say that to you're vulnerable, you're open. And they're like, they're the person who will say, okay, that's what you said you wanted to manifest into being. They're the person who will give you a shoulder to cry on if things don't quite grow the right way. They'll put a foot up your behind if you're not doing what you need to do on that. They'll make connections for you, give you counsel and feedback. But there's a unique dynamic to that because you're really going to be vulnerable. That's the person when, when things go incredibly well, that's one of the first people you want to share that with. 
when things maybe you're not sure if they're going well, you want to connect with them. And when things definitively aren't going well or haven't gone well, you reach out to them to sort of buoy you up and sort of guide you through that. So that personal board of directors, through the, that kind of journey of identifying and building your personal board of directors, you're also cultivating your professional garden. Because the activities you do to sort of build that are the same things through that you'd also be cultivating your professional garden. But that personal board of directors, you know, you have to build that because there's a degree of vulnerability, there's a degree of trust you have to like feel like this person knows it so it's not like you're just going to pick someone right away you're going to have to build through a relationship and take some time with that but when you get that group of people it's for me it's been incredibly powerful as through the highs and the lows of professional life to have that group of people you can go to with that yeah I really like that I really like you you know delineating the different roles, the cheerleader, the advocate, the mentor, and then someone who's actually one of those core, you know, board of directors, people that you can go to in in good times and in hard times. Mm -hmm. And it really speaks to that idea of having a support system and creating your own support system that will help your professional garden. I just think that's just a really, really great way and an intentional way Mm -hmm. of looking at that, that these people don't just happen in your life, you've cultivated them. And I like that you got the idea from a mentor who got it from a mentor. I just kind of like that progression of <laughs> passing down, you know, this this great idea, but it kind of shows that kind of, you know, experience or way of thinking about where you don't know what you don't know. And you're seeking out other people that have had similar experiences or might know someone that can help you. Craig, in in many of our conversations, you have talked about how important networking has been for your career. And I can see in this discussion of your personal garden, how you are always networking. So many of Mentium's mentees want to expand their networking Mm -hmm. skills, you know, and for some people that they're, they're not naturally extroverted, this is a really hard thing. So what have you learned about networking through your career? And what advice would you have for someone who wants to be more effective? In full disclosure, I'm a pretty severe introvert which people are often surprised by that. So that's true. And I've walking into a room full of strangers and having to meet them earlier in my career would have terrified me. So I'll name, I'm not starting from the point of being an extrovert where this comes naturally to me as a pretty strong introvert. The whole networking thing takes quite a bit of effort for me. So I'll just name and qualify that, which may be motivating and inspiring or maybe like whatever for people. One thing that I did for me is I don't necessarily think of it as networking. Because for me, that sort of raised like, oh, networking, and it's this transactional thing, and you sort of go through the motions, and it sort of lacks this emotional connection, which made it even ickier to me as an introvert. Yeah. And I really have come to think of it more about how am I intentional about building relationships? Because networking really is about building relationships. And for me, as an introvert, the casual relationship or superficial relationship thing doesn't come naturally to me because of my personality type and sort of being an introvert, but relationship building does. So I think of it about how do I build the relationships that in a professional context are going to be advantageous to me and entering that with a degree of humility of, I don't know what those relationships are going to be. And I've learned that for relationships are these rings some of the most interesting things that have happened to me or that I've learned have not happened from the first ring people. It's happened from second or third ring people because I've met these people that aren't sort of in the group that I already knew. And they was outside of that. And that's opened up a range of opportunities or a range of experiences that I wouldn't have had. And I think about it very strategically. So I think about 
I don't want to be at things where I'm going into a room full of strangers and I have to do that because I, I've learned how to do that now. I still don't get a whole bunch of energy at that. I don't think I'm necessarily as effective on that. I've learned to be, well, what are the other places that play to what I'm more comfortable with and play to my strengths where I can put myself in places where structurally I don't have to do the effort by being in that space. I'm going to meet people who are already going to be geared towards meeting other people. So that barrier of them being strangers isn't there because I'm doing it in spaces where, where we already have some shared connection or shared purpose or shared interest, which you can then play off of to strike up a conversation. And I think about that where it's like, if you've been to have a um, bachelor's degree or, or a graduate degree, there's alumni associations and alumni associations, a lot of them do events. Going to alumni events where there's a shared, we all went to the school, exactly the same school or the same school more broadly there's a connection there on that that people will talk about well what you know were you in the business school the law school the medical school but you went to that school and you're doing this event the dinner or the ball game or whatever that's people have a shared connection they're going because they want to hang out with other alums of the school that's a low bar for that are there professional associations like you're a lawyer or an accountant or a fundraising professional or whatever you are, there's professional associations for everything. Join the professional association. There's people in there who join those typically are interested in the field that the association focuses on. They're usually interested in their development because they're usually the people who are volunteering or active in those things wanna know more about the field or advance the field. And there's a shared purpose around, you have some connection to the field. So join those and volunteer in those, be members of those, serve on the, you know, the boards or leadership of those, do public speaking. If you have a knowledge or expertise in your professional field, and, and there's people that want to know more about that, go speak, go speak at conferences, attend conferences is another thing, attend a conference, which people who have a shared identity and interest, or even better yet, speak at the conference, because then you might be able to go for free if you volunteer to speak, and people will come to you. If you're a speaker at an event or conference, you don't even have to go to people. You're going to speak and people are going to be like, that was really interesting. Can we connect? You don't even have to do the work. They already have heard you speak up there. If they're coming to reach out to you, they see something and they like about you and you can do that. So I just think about being very strategic around leveraging systems and processes and spaces to make it easier for you to do that and to lower the barriers if you're not totally comfortable with that to do that. And once you do that over time, for me, it's become second nature. Like these are the systems and the things I'm in that are going to expose me to different groups of people to let me, you know, bring other people into my network or expand my network or grow that. That is a great idea. I like how you started with changing your frame of reference for it instead of networking. It's intentional relationship building, mm -hmm. which is a lot less scary sounding than networking and a lot less transactional sounding than networking. And thank you for offering concrete ways that you can do that to make it easier to, to, to be in a situation where networking more naturally happens mm -hmm. or relationship building more naturally happens. So Craig, we have time for three final questions. The first one is, do you have habits that you feel have contributed to your success? Yes, I would say I read. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm a, I'm a, um, habitual reader. So I read and I read about stuff. I mean, I read about things that's relevant to what I do professionally, but I also just read about other stuff that's not related to anything I do or whatever, just because I think reading and exposing yourself to new ideas and doing that, um, just, I don't know, it kind of keeps the juices flowing and challenges you to think about things. So I think being disciplined about always uh, reading um, a variety, you know, it could be books, it could be different websites, it could be 
a variety of things. So I think that's um, a discipline that I found useful for learning to continue to grow. I think self-care is a, a discipline and habit. And for me, I'm very intentional about exercise as a stress reliever. Just like I found that for completing the stress cycle, really the act of exercise, I mean, it has other benefits, but as a CEO, I'm in a pretty stressful job. And I found that the exercise aspect of taking that energy that fills up and that anxiety and stress and just kind of putting it out physically has other benefits around, car, you know, for other things, but it really is a great stress management tool. I also meditate and I found that to be immensely helpful just in terms of understanding where I'm, I'm at and where am I stressed out and where am I not stressed out and what's bothering me and even what areas do I need to develop on? Like what's coming up that is a stressor that may require me to focus my development in a particular area as well. Yeah, those are probably big ones. And I, and, and I think I also try to stay current. Yeah. Like it's related to reading, but I even some of the other things I talked about, speaking at conferences, attending conferences, reading around things in your field, if there's certifications and everything, keeping up on that and doing that, I think it's also an important discipline because it's very challenging not to get caught into the whatever the bubble that you're immediately in. And I feel like that's not good for your broader growth. Right. And if you're constantly pushing yourself of awareness of what's on the world and we're not doing that and we should be doing that, and wow, and this is really changing, I think that's a good sort of impetus to kind of stay current and kind of keep the saw sort of sharp. But you have to be intentional around that because it's easy to just be consumed by your world and doing that and lose a connection to what's going on outside of that, which I think is not good for your overall professional growth. Yeah, those are great habits for broadening your perspective, like you said, and staying current. And I like that you are very intentional about stress management and that that is really important and it helps you like I like how you did talked about, it, you know, it helps you kind of like expend some of that all mm -hmm. that energy anxiety from your job, which can be high pressure at times. Craig, what would your advice be to up and coming leaders? I would say there probably are four things that I would just offer. The first is know yourself. The second is push yourself. The third is love yourself. And the fourth would be to be true to yourself. Wow. That, that is beautiful. Know yourself, push yourself, love yourself, be true to yourself. Okay. I'm writing those down. <laughs> Even though I can listen to the recording, I'm like, I'm writing it down. Okay. Final question, Craig. Do you have a favorite saying, quote, or motto? My favorite quote is from Star Wars and it's if you're a Star Wars fan it's from Yoda and it's do or do not there is no try I love that quote yes that is that is so good I can I can hear him saying that right now <laughs> Craig thank you so much for sharing your perspective on growing your professional garden and networking or rather you know intentional relationship building. Um, I love your idea of having a board of directors. And I really appreciated the strategic way in which you think about your entire career um, as a kind of a big picture thing and as smaller things that you are doing to be thinking two jobs ahead. Thanks, you know, for the great advice you offered. I love the know yourself, push yourself, love yourself, be true to yourself. I'm going to write that down on a post-it. <laughs> that is just great. I'm like, you know, what, what great words of wisdom for anyone. So thank you so much for all the great suggestions and then the actual practical ways that you can expand networking skills by going to professional organizations or speaking or going to an alumni event. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mentium Matters podcast. If you like this episode, please share it with friends and colleagues. We have many great episodes lined up, so we look forward to having you join us next time.